Welcome into a surprise, and I guess you could say an emergency pod of the Hoop Fiends. The Boston fucking Celtics, one of the best games I've ever seen, maybe, kind of. One of the best finishes, one of the best, I don't even know what to say. I have two Boston Celtics fans on with me to talk about it. It's about 10 minutes after the game is on. Corey, Riley, Corey, you can go first. How are we feeling right now? Ah! Ah! Ah, Let's go! Game seven! Yo, I said it. I said it after game three. Play with some fucking pride. Play hard. Make good decisions. And you never know what can happen. And guess what? You know what? We said this going in. They had more talent. They were the more talented team. But they weren't playing like the more talented team. Now, they are. Let me say this, though. The end of that game reminded me of game seven last year. My heart was literally 10 feet out of my chest. I couldn't believe they were doing it again. But you know what? They found a way to win. I always say this is about March Madness, and I said it about tonight. Survive in advance. Doesn't matter how you win. You just got to win at this time of the year. And they were able to find a way. Kudos. Riley, how about you? What was your uh, initial reactions watching it all unfold? Well, Corey, I think I was the antithesis of you because I was dead certain they were going to lose this game (laughs) from the beginning. And um, I was very, very pleasantly shocked when they actually ended up having a heart and pulling it out and feeling like that they were in the driver's seat going in late into the fourth until they ended up blowing the whole thing. Um, but I, I I cannot believe that Joe Missoula drew up a play for Marcus Smart to end the season <laughs> on a three-pointer. And of course it didn't work. And of course it didn't work. Uh, Derek White was in the perfect spot at the right time. And um, I, it just feels weirdly like destiny now. Weirdly. <laughs> Yeah, just just special stuff, and I'm sure you guys are both with me. We watched that Marcus Smart shot go up. Obviously, it almost did go in, but in my head, I was like, there is no chance this is going in, and then Derek White pulls off the miraculous putback. Watching it live, I didn't think it went in. Corey, did you have a feel right when it happened, whether or not that counted or not? Yo, I was literally on my hands and knees being like, please, please count, please count, please count. And, like, the thing was is that on the floor they said it counted – there was no review, so like it, it based, but like it wasn't very clear yeah. what was going on with the officials. It looked like it counted because they said it counted, but they didn't go to the review. So it was just I was just waiting for them to go to the post game interview, and I'm like, okay, like now we're good. But kind of what you said, like I, the shot by Marcus Smart, obviously very shocking, but. You know, if you saw the play, like Tatum just couldn't get open. Like they were denying him the ball. If they had inbounded him the ball, he would have been like 35 feet away from the basket. They got the best shot in that situation. And as you just said, it almost, it was, it was in and out. But what the Celtics have done these last three games is they've been hitting the offensive glass hard. People are going to blame Max Struess for not checking Derek White on that as he flew to the, you know, flew to the glass for the rebound. But that's what they've been doing, and that's why they've been winning these games is because they've been dominating on the glass, and they did it again in the biggest moment. Derek White, he's really stepped up these last couple games. Give him a lot of credit. He made a great play. Yeah. But I'm not going to fault Joe Missoula because they couldn't really get o- – JB and Tatum couldn't get open. So they had to – they had they couldn't get a five-second call. They had to give it to somebody. And Marcus Smart actually – you know, the way he played tonight, he played really well. He did. Um, he did. It wasn't a, it wasn't the worst shot in the world, but obviously you would have loved to give it to your one of your best two players. But 
given the circumstances, you had to get it to somebody and, you know, went in and out. So it wasn't the worst play ever. Corey, I, I have to ask, what was your favorite Duncan Robinson missed three? Was it the first one where he loaded it up and missed it? Or was it the one in transition where he loaded up and missed it? I, I thought know. it was the one in transition, honestly, because this guy's one of the best shooters in the NBA. And it's actually crazy because the way they're Robinson? <laughs> yeah, he, top 10 in the league. Like, but the way they're paying him, they like they don't play him. And like it's because yep. he doesn't play defense um, and he doesn't really do much at the in the paint but you know in this series he's actually had some like nice finishes at the rim but you know he hit a couple threes earlier in the fourth quarter and i'm just like that's absolute bullshit yeah heavily, i agree that's, that's heavily the contested, entire miami heat team heavily contested swish i'm like there is no fucking way but you know charles barkley said it after the game it felt like a couple of those, like the first one off the offensive rebound, off the missed free throw. He was too open. Sometimes guys get in their head. He thought about that one too much. When they're wide open like that, they get in their head. It doesn't matter how good they are. Even Steph Curry misses those shots sometimes. Where like if they're that wide open, sometimes they just they just take too long to shoot the shot instead of going catch and shoot. And I think that's what happened. But the one in transition, I'm just like, oh my gosh, how did he not hit that? I mean, perfect catch and shoot in rhythm. Crowd is on their feet, but like I said, the Celtics, they play their best ball when their back is against the wall and they were able to find a way to squeak out a win tonight. I mean, man, like I said, my heart was out of my chest. I mean, I, I it, it took a lot of effort to put it back in my chest. My gosh, let me tell you. So speaking on that, we're going to rewind like maybe two or three minutes and I'm going to start with Riley on this. How are you feeling? Because I know you had some thoughts and some anger uh, when Jimmy having an absolutely awful game, he was doing a lot of Jimmy Butler stuff though, playing great defense, rebounding, assisting, but his shot wasn't falling. What was your reaction when Al Horford fouls him on the three? He obviously makes all three and it looks like no. your season might be over. Oh, I was, I was absolutely infuriated. I thought it was, I thought the whole thing was completely kaput at that point. Um, it, it, it was really driving me crazy. Corey, I don't know about you, but I, I was just really annoyed that I was going to have to feel that I had to hear a, playoff Jimmy narrative when he had been absolutely horrific offensively that entire game and uh he had just gotten really good in those last few minutes of drawing drawing free throws um so yeah I I was really really pit was in my stomach there but I think the the big point and one of the gentlemen we were watching it brought it up um the fact that I, it was it was 2.1 seconds when they had the foul on the clock originally and they ended up putting on an additional 0.9 seconds to get it to a full three seconds on the clock and that ended up coming in very handily because if they did not have that, they obviously would not be winning Major the game. difference. Who would have so, shout out. Yeah, to I think with that, like, I know what people are going to say. Oh, my God, the NBA wants the Celtics in the finals. It's rigged. But here's the thing. With the rule, the way the rule is in place, the the clock has to stop when there when there's a foul. So because of the way the foul went and they probably took the clock off, they probably took time off the clock um, as the shot was hitting the rim. But because the, because he was fouled on the review, they got to put that time back on the clock as soon as there's a foul. So all these idiots on Twitter that are saying, oh my gosh, like the Celtics, uh, they, the NBA wants them to win. It's like, no, 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 no. The, the, the clock stops on a foul. That's the, that's the fucking rule. Read the rule book, you fucking idiots. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's what I'll say about that. But what I'll say about Jimmy Butler is great players, even on an off night, make great plays. 
And Jason Tatum did not have a great second half, but what he but he did get to the free throw line and he did have some nice assists. And though those parts get underlooked, but I'll also say this: what the Celtics, what they did, blowing a ten point lead with four minutes to go, that was the most on cue. Yes. Thing um, I've ever, you know, given the way they played this year, I was not surprised that that happened because they've done it all year. Like this isn't some new development. They did it last year in Game Seven in Miami, and Jimmy came, Jimmy Butler came up just short on that pull up three in transition. Like I said, I thought that shot was in, but the same thing applies. Like they did the same thing as last year, but it's not like they took bad shots down the stretch. Like last year, Marcus Smart was jacking up threes with like 15 seconds on the shot clock. This year, they missed a couple free throws. Tatum missed a, a putback in 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 the paint. They missed some easier opportunities. So it's not like they took horrible shots. But Jimmy Butler came up big when they needed him. And and listen for all these people out there that are saying Miami, all the pressures on the Celtics. That is the biggest. That is the biggest pile of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. They were down 3-0. No one expected them to get here. All the pressure is on Miami. The Celtics home crowd, they are going to be going absolutely crazy on Memorial Day Monday. The Celtics have zero pressure because they were not supposed to win three games in a row. So I just wanted to set the record clear with all those idiots on Twitter because you think you know basketball, you don't know fucking shit, and uh, we're on to game seven, but... I've, I've agreed with a lot of what you've said here tonight, but I actually kind of disagree with that a little bit. I'm not saying that the pressure is necessarily on Miami, but at this point, after what just happened, like you kind of saw the Philly in game seven after they blew their game six opportunity at home, Philly was dead. And Miami, it's going to be really hard for them to come back from this when they literally thought they had the game in their hands. I think every single person in the world is expecting Boston to win. Uh, game seven so I think that's where it's a little bit different I think obviously there's pressure on Miami like you don't want to be the first team to blow a 3-0 lead but also they're the eight seed the fact that they're up 3-0 was miraculous in the first place I think nobody's going to be expecting Miami to go to Boston right now and win and I think that's where Boston sometimes fucks things up oh yeah yeah I, I think right now the mindset of the team is one game at a time and now that they're one game away from making now that they fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, now that they're one game away from making one of the and and this has only happened four times in NBA history, but the other three times that a team came back from 3-0 to force a game seven, they had to go on the road for a game seven. So this is the first time a team that has come back from 3-0 gets the home court for game seven. Let me just say this: Jalen Brown challenged TD Garden to be crazy loud going into game seven against Philly. If you thought it was loud in game five. Game seven, everyone in the arena is going to be absolutely hammered going into tip-off. Everyone in there, like they've, everyone they've been drinking all weekend. Pretty much every Celtics fan is Irish. Everyone is going to be drinking at like 7 a.m. for that game for an 8:30 tip-off. It is going to be absolutely rocking. And I know the narrative behind the Celtics playing at home, these last, but Steve, I sent you this stat a few days ago, and I'm going to stand by it. The Celtics are 22 and five all time at home in a game seven. They are not losing this fucking game. What are they with Joe Missoula as their coach? One and oh, baby. 100%. But here's the thing like tonight was game seven for Miami. And Steve, I agree with you. This is as deflating a loss for a team that I can remember in the last few years. Like it came down to two seconds. 
They couldn't get a rebound, and the Celtics won in an offensive tip-in. This is very deflating. I'm not going to count out the Heat because they they just seem to make things happen when no one thinks they have a chance of winning. That's my only point. That's kind of oh, like it's yeah. like it, it finally seems like the Celtics are in control, and that's where everything that's, that's where Miami goes strikes. wrong. Yeah, but but also I think Missoula is going to play to the moment in the locker room. Like guys, listen, don't buy into what everyone's saying about us. This is a do or die game because I think Missoula is going to play to the moment. Like guys, Missoula's like just going to go home and watch the town. <laughs> well, no, but like here's the thing: no like, one's going to listen to a single thing he's going to. Yeah, exactly. I think the the message was after Game Four, Missoula is probably telling his guys, "Listen, people are starting to say we have a chance here to make a to make a move and get back in the series." <laughs> but like, but like here's the thing: like what the way they came out is they came out with absolute intensity momentum and they played to the moment they do that in game seven and here's the thing too the first five minutes of game seven the last couple of games the first five minutes were very telling they come out and punch them in the mouth in game seven the game is over they have to come out and punch them right in the face you got to learn to punch a kid with glasses you got to learn to kick a horse when it's got a broken leg you gotta come out and come for the kill if they do that in the first five six minutes of game seven they're gonna they're gonna pull away but again, Joe Missoula, I've get I've I have absolutely shit on this guy almost this entire postseason. But give him credit for getting the guys locked in physically, mentally. But again, a lot of this is on the players. If they lost tonight, I wouldn't have been upset. I wouldn't have been sad. It would have been expected. They put themselves in a bad position to lose this series. And even if they lose in a game seven, it's their own damn fault for not playing like they they have the last three games and the first three games. That would be on them. And anyone should not be upset or mad, whatever, because if they had played this way the whole series, the series would probably be over by now. Yeah, you're right. Corey, what do you think the Celtics need to do in game seven to really feel confident to close it out? Because we just had Barkley on the TV – and he was talking about everything that they did to your point of how the pressure may be shifting a little bit. And I, it, it hasn't really seemed, and I've said this before, that it hasn't really seemed that the game plan has shifted at all. It's just that they're always just taking a bunch of threes. And then when they look really good when they're making them, they look really lost when they're not and nothing really changes. So I, I really hope that it's not where they're living and dying. What else do you think is something that needs to, to shift for them to really close it out? Well, they got to play like game five, right? And what they did in game five was just they played absolute team basketball. Here's the thing. I love Charles Barkley, but what he said was absolutely fucking stupid. Like like I said, the the two stars have come through these last three games, Tatum and Brown. Jalen Brown is really struggling in this series, and I'm pretty sure he has a hand injury because – in game one, you know, you know, he was shaking his hand. And he did it again tonight. So, like, I don't think he's 100%, but he's fighting through and he's playing hard. But, you know, I've talked to Steve about this the last couple of weeks. Can Al Horford wake the fuck up and hit some threes? Like, my thing with Al Horford is if you're not going to shoot the ball, then get the fuck out of the game and get Robert Williams in because at least he's going to get on the glass and he's going to and he's going to fight inside. Al Horford has no use to this team if he's not even looking at the basket. How many times does Max Struess or Gabe Vincent switch on him? Al, get your ass in the paint, back him down, and score. When Al Horford basically tripped over Struess in the opening minutes of tonight's <laughs> game, I'm, I'm screaming, get it, get his ass out. But Al Horford needs to step up. But 
when Jalen Brown got that fourth foul early in the third quarter, I thought that was the biggest moment of the game because Derek White, because not Derek White, Marcus Smart really stepped up to the moment and he hit some big shots. And Tatum, while he didn't score much in the second half, because because the Heat are so focused on him, that's opening up opportunities for others. It game sevens always come down to who is going to step up and make plays. Obviously, last year, Grant Williams had the eight three ball game against Milwaukee. This year, Tatum had the 50 point ball, the 50 piece. He's not going to do that again. But every year in game sevens, guys, there are role players that have moments where they they step up to the challenge. And for me, the Celtics, for them to win game seven, it's going to come down to the other guys. We know what Jalen Brown and Tatum are most likely going to do, but the other guys. That's why Miami has been so successful in this series is the the role players have been so vital to their success. So the role players are very, very important in game seven. And I think whoever's role players play the best in game seven is going to win the game because I don't expect Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to be as inefficient as they were tonight. So that that's the biggest key to me is can Grant Williams, Al Horford, Derek White, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart outplay, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, uh, Duncan Robinson, and uh, who am I missing? Oh, yeah, that 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 fucker. Can, they, can, <laughs> they out, can those five outplay that four? Because to me, the stars are going to come out in game seven, but the role players usually usually sway how the game goes. So that, that to me is the biggest key, looking ahead. So what you're saying is it's Sam Hauser time <laughs> to close it out in game seven. Man, I love Sam Hauser. It's too bad he only plays like three minutes. He's only played three minutes in this series. That's it's just more than enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a damn shame. But I, Not having Brogdon is huge for you guys. I, even I don't know how long he's going to be out, if he's going to miss the finals if you make it or whatever. But yeah, I, I think he was a game time call tonight, but it, you know, obviously he's in a lot of pain and discomfort. I mean, he has a torn tendon in one of his elbows. I mean, so basically, whenever he shoots the ball, he's in excruciating pain. Yeah. Um, you know, him and Gabe Vincent were both game time calls tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if Brogdon played in a game seven, but if he does play, his minutes are not going to go above 20. He's probably going to be in like the 15 to 20 range if he does play. But it's like you said, Steve, it's hard to say, but. He was, I think he was close to playing tonight, but I, I, I do think it was precautionary. Yeah, I think I think what's just ultimately happening here is you and Miami are just beating the shit out of each other while Jokic is, like, resting and drinking milkshakes, and he's just going to come out and smoke. Well, listen, I'll say this. If the Celtics win on Monday, they're, they are a lock to win game one of the finals. You uh, saw it last year with the Celtics went to Oracle Arena – you it's you know having rest is important, but usually time. the team that is fresher they they were playing more, more recently. Usually that team wins the first game because the other team, while they are rusted, rested, they are rusty. So I I think if the Celtics win game one, they will have home court. They will win the first game. If Miami wins game seven, I think they have a chance to win game one. But again. The team that wins game one, uh, the team that has more rest, doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be the more prepared team going into the first game because they haven't played in a while. And that that does matter. Yeah. All right. Last thought, Riley. Going yeah. into game seven, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Struess, who are you fearing the most and who do you hate the most? Uh, this seems like a trap question <laughs> um, uh, because – 
I feel like Caleb Martin has been the one that's been he absolutely dominating. He he should win Eastern Conference Finals yeah, MVP. He, if they, he's he, the one I'm the most scared of, but I feel like if I say that, it'd be a dishonor to how much I hate and have been scared of Gabe Vincent the entire series. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say Gabe Vincent. <laughs> he had 15 and four tonight. Shot six of 18. Loki didn't realize he shot that bad. Uh, but like you said, Corey, a little bit earlier, I think the key is going to be the role players. Jimmy and Bam were awful in this game, but I bet you they show up in Game 7, and it's just going to be a question of which of these guys uh, steps up. Is it the Celtics roles got role players, or is it the Heat role players? I mean, it should be Boston. That's it, You'd think they'd go out and win this game, but as I mentioned earlier, I feel like it just ultimately comes down to now that everyone is expecting Boston to win, this could be when things turn into a disaster. Any parting thoughts, Corey? Yeah, kind of answering your question before. I fucking hate Caleb Martin. <laughs> like the guy, the, the guy, miss. the guy is so average, and like <laughs> he's playing, he's playing above his means right now. But I'm definitely more scared of him because he's just not missing. But I think Caleb Martin is going to revert back to what we know him to be, which is very streaky in Game Seven. There's a lot of pressure in a Game Seven. And I'll say this, like Jimmy Butler is not going to be afraid of the moment, but neither will Tatum and Brown. I mean, Tatum and Brown, those guys have been what? I mean, at this point, this is like their fourth or fifth game seven. So they're they're prepared. The The, the crowd is going to be relentless. And I agree with you. It's going to come down to the role players. But I also think the home team, with the momentum they have right now and the fact that I think in their mind right now, mentally – they're still playing to the message that we have no chance. That's you've got to keep playing to that message. You can't just keep buying into the crowd uh, to all the media being like, oh well, now the Celtics have a great chance. Wait, wait. And if I'm the Celtics, I'm like, wait a minute. You all you same clowns six days ago said it's over. So block out all the noise, and I think the Celtics are gonna be fine. But again, you know, this whole series it's been what Celtics team is gonna show up. If they play like they did the last three games, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to cruise by at least 10 points. Yeah, I wouldn't have said it better myself. I think we're all, maybe not Riley, but we're all kind of on the same page that we expect that Boston should win, but you never know what that means. I think for myself, ever since I saw Jeter and A-Rod on that damn TV screen, I felt the omens. I felt the bad juju. I felt like Boston was going to find a way to win this thing. It just it never felt right. I hated that so much, and I hate that that's going to be the narrative, too. But somehow, oh, Jeter and A-Rod, they sparked this Boston Celtics comeback. I love it. I hate it so much. I'll you know what's funny? Play. You know what's, you know what's funny, guys? A year ago today, I, and it's actually hilarious how the timing matches up. A year ago today, the same fucking thing happened game six at td garden i jumped in the hudson river drunk <laughs> we, we lost we lost same this is this is a year ago today same thing and here we are a year later roles are reversed and we're going home for a game seven instead of going on the road it's actually crazy how these today it's very it's very you know 365 right complete 180 going the other way it's crazy because a year ago today i remember steve was screaming struce in my face i wanted to punch him and it was terrible but here we are a year later we're going back to td garden it's going to be exciting game seven best two words in sports i mean there's not much more you can say other than that last question for my end 
game on the line. It let's say it, it's a it's a one point game, wide open corner three. Who do you want taking the shot, Sam Hauser or Denny Avia? <laughs> oh my God, Sam Hauser is that even a question? I what is that? Completely in alignment here. Josh, I don't even think Danny, I don't even think Denny Avia has been in a playoff game. What do you have to say about that, that Josh? Um, Hindle. How you buddy? Oh, what's up? Yeah, that's a fair take. Yeah. You wouldn't take Denny? You wouldn't even take you're wearing his jersey. Yeah, I know I'm wearing his jersey, but he's a thirty like two percent on his career. Never played in the playoff game because we're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's our yearly content on the Washington Wizards. I'll leave you what I, what I kinda like to have Corey close it, but I'm still gonna close it with this. Derek White is now the second player in NBA history to make a game winning buzzer beater when facing elimination and his team trailed prior to the shot. The other being Michael Jordan. So Derek White and Michael Jordan in the same company, propelling their teams to potential series winning victories and losing in the finals, ultimately, most likely. But that's that's literally that's literally the most out of your ass stat I've ever heard (laughs) in my life. And where do these these people get these stats? Like they just get stats and info, actually. Like it's it's unreal. It's It's their job. Yeah, no facts. All right, Corey, thanks for hopping on quick. I know you're uh been through a roller coaster today so i appreciate you taking the time thank you steve it's been a pleasure and uh go seas game seven monday night it's gonna be exciting yeah Can't go wait. knights we're in the process of choking away three you know <laughs> oh yeah please please can vegas not lose like i i just i can't i can't deal with that we're too. gonna be started i'm a hockey guy we can't do we can't be blowing these three oh yeah i forgot you don't even like basketball i forgot yeah. all right follow us on at hoop pod on twitter instagram and tiktok Me, Riley, and John will be back next week to recap this Game 7, as well as preview our new NBA Finals. And, Corey, like I said, we still will have you on at some point during the Finals as well, especially if Boston is in it. We will see you guys next time. Listening to another episode.